So I meet these sailors who have a wooden sailboat that's not really a sailboat. It's a rowboat, similar to a Noah's Ark, but extremely miniature. And these three European sailors invite me along on their voyage, which is not very well planned out or anything. And my son, Leo, who's two years old, uh, thinks the boat is really cool. So he kind of, I think I joined the trip for that reason, but Leo doesn't come with me. So then we sail towards the Arctic Passage, which is not actually where it should be on the map. It's located in like where kind of Mexico is, south of the United States. And we dock there. And the, one of the nights while we're sleeping on the voyage there, it's um, we're sleeping in these very small beds that are almost coffin-like. We dock kind of at the this port town where it looks exactly like the port town in the Eurostar movie with Will Ferrell. And it's the port town is where our last stop is before we make the Arctic Passage. And when we dock, there's a a small school that's uh, a school for girls. And it is just right where on the shore where like a lighthouse or something would be. The three sailors go into town to get supplies. They say we need supplies. But because I'm not actually part of their crew, I'm just tagging along. I stay behind to just sort of explore the town starting in the school. And the school director takes me on a tour of the school and shows me how um, the students are working on their inner strength and doing sort of just normal school stuff, gym class and whatever. Our tour gets interrupted by the sailors returning and there's sort of a kerfuffle about them trying to load all these supplies onto the boat. At which point, um, one of the sailors says, well, we need to insulate the boat because we'll be at God's mercy if we try to make the trip without it. We'll die an icy death sort of thing. Yeah. So that's the that's the dream, and that's where it ends. I don't have any experiences interacting with these guys whose whose trip I'm on, which is you know which is interesting because I've I've started um, this new with a new company, and I'm in a truck all day with you know, people who I don't know that well. I'm in a truck like eight hours a day. We go from job site to job site and do gardening and, you know, lawn maintenance and that sort of thing, mostly fine gardening. But I'm, I'm just in this truck with people. I don't know them from Adam. It's funny because I've been thinking about going back to school for something. I don't know what the something is, but I'm generally like dissatisfied in having fallen into this career of being a landscaper, which I'm quite good at and I enjoy somewhat, like I find some parts of it interesting, but ultimately I didn't grow up thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be a gardener when I grow up. And I, you know, most people probably in their careers didn't grow up thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be whatever when I grow up. But still it was like, I just, I feel like it's not where I ever viewed myself and not like, it's a great job and I like, I enjoy it, but it takes a physical toll on my body and the hours can be quite long and grueling and takes me away from my family and like the things that, you know, that I'd rather be doing. The school is definitely like a school for 
I mean, it seems similar to something a friend of mine did where he was going down to Peru and, and working at literally like a girl's orphanage where they're doing things like self-defense classes and um, yoga and, you know, for for trauma recovery and that sort of thing. And the, the school in the stream is very similar to that. It's a really inspiring place to be where you see people, young people overcoming um, really uh, challenging obstacles. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's... Uh, a pretty, pretty direct parallel. I'm really thinking about how the hell can I get out of this industry? How can I get into something where I can use my natural gifts more? Because I mean, really I became like a horticultural landscaper because I was passionate about food. I, I wanted to be an organic farmer, but there's a lot of barriers and I've had quite a journey. Like I was a musician, I've done a lot of I used to teach music for a living, like I've had a lot of different careers. And when I was a musician, I kind of used the skills when I was a musician, I'm still a musician, but when I was living in Toronto and pursuing a career and a life in music, I was using the skills I'd picked up from organic farming internships and applying those skills to gardening jobs as a day job to support my music dream and my music vision. So then when I had a family, I kind of, just fell more into just, I'm a full-time gardener. I'm not playing music very much anymore. And then we moved. And so it's like, well, this is what I do. I'm a gardener. So I've been pursuing all these gardening jobs, but it's not, it's been a really non-linear pathway there. And now I've kind of landed in something that I, like, I'm not, I don't see myself still doing this in 10 years or five years, but I don't know what I really want to be doing, but I just know I have, I have gifts that I could be using and sharing that I'm not. And it's sort of, it's a drag. And maybe it's this cultural myth that, you know, we're fed growing up as children of the 90s. You know, I was born in, in the mid 80s and it's, you know, you can be anything you want to be and you can do anything and you can be anything when you grow up and the whole world is your oyster. And it's, I mean, it's a bit of fooey because like someone has to, do municipal gardens and someone's got to pull weeds in, on estate properties. And that's been me. And there's no shame in that job. I don't see that disparagingly towards the people I work with or anything. It's just, it's just not the message we're fed growing up. I mean, maybe it's some kid's fascination with horticulture and plant life and they want to be botanists and they want to end up gardening because that's just, they get to, that's their jam. But it's not for me. And so it doesn't excite me. It doesn't make me come alive. It's none of those like inspirational posters. It's just something I'm pretty good at and pays better than like working in restaurants and is like more of a nine to five rhythm rather than an evening job. So it like meshed well with playing music. And so it was like, this is just what I ended up doing, man. And it's like, but now that I have a family and I got a kid and, you know, hopefully I have another kid on the way eventually at some point, you know, I don't know if this is what I want to be doing. I'm at a real crossroads of feeling like I'm I'm 34 years old. And if I don't do something now in 10 years, I'm going to be 44 years old. I'm going to look back and go, man, when I was 34, I really had an opportunity to like go back to school, finish my bachelor's degree, do whatever I really wanted. And so I'm just like, feel like under the gun to figure it out. But there's no time. Like, I've never had less time. And then when I do have free time right now, like in the midst of the pandemic, I just need to unwind. 
like researching school programs and career paths is like the last thing I feel like I have the energy for after like a 10 hour day and put my kid to bed and clean up after dinner. And then like, you know, like it's, it's a lot. How telling is it at the beginning of the dream, Leo's so excited about the boat. And you know what's funny? Is that every morning when I go to leave for work, he's so excited to see the pickup truck. And for earlier in the season, he'd be like, oh, they're coming to pick you up in the truck, daddy? And he'd run to the door and he'd want to see the truck come because he loves cars and trucks. And the truck is like, you know, it's a Ford F-150 with a big trailer on the back and it's got all sorts of gear in it. He gets so excited to see it. I mean, how telling is it in the dream that Leo's so excited about the boat, but then I get in the boat without him and I'm gone. And I'm with these strangers and I'm at a school with other children. It's just like, that's not my life. Like, that's not where I want to be, you know? It's definitely not the boat for me. Dream Logic is made by me, Elias Campbell, and Sean Sutherland, with producer Victoria Hoare. Original score in this episode by Andy Trithart. Cover art by Stephen McLaughlin. Special thanks to this week's guest, Alex. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamLogicShow. If you have a dream you'd like to share, email us at dreamlogicpod at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the show with a friend. You can also make a donation via our website, dreamlogicpodcast.com, which will help us continue to make the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>